Does your ambition have no limits? Welcome in to our limitless episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. We're doing a spoiler-filled full rewatch of season six, and for this special season finale episode, we're going to do a little bit of a simulcast where we post the first half of it also onto our normal Apple, Anchor, Spotify podcast, as well as to Patreon for our normal patrons. But I want to give everyone a taste of what Josh and I are doing throughout this entire season, where every episode, once a week, including feedback episodes, are posted on patreon.com slash by order of Peaky. As always, reach out to us, B-O-O-T, Peaky Blinders, at gmail.com, or Facebook, or Twitter, all of the above. This is episode six of season five, and I'm Daniel Gilman. He's Josh Levy. It's called Mr. Jones. And Josh, let's just start it off by getting your take, because this had the best rating of any season five episode at a 9.4 on IMDb. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to agree. It was a fantastic episode. I loved every minute of it. On first watch, we didn't have this opinion, but on the rewatch, we like really appreciated this episode in the grand scheme of the whole season. It's all in, in the context of the whole season. By far, the best episode of the season, and a lot happened in this episode. And we were, and we were waiting from episodes one through five for 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 it to really set up a banger in episode six. And not to say that it wasn't a banger, but we we do have somewhat of a cliffhanger at the at the end of the episode. As we will go in, in in depth when we get there because the last 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of this episode has everything that you can ask for in a finale. And it just makes us, you know, chopping at, chopping at the bit for season six. This is the longest episode in Peaky Blinders history at one hour and six or seven minutes. So it's it's interesting because I think this very well could have been one of those two-part episodes. 100%. And that's why yeah. if, if Josh and I don't have the time to finish this entire episode today – Maybe just maybe we'll add our own little cliffhanger of our own that Alfie uh, prophesizes, oh. where Josh and I talk about it another day. But let's go through the uh, the description. At a family meeting, Michael makes a bro a bold proposal. The mole is identified. Tommy asks an old rival for help with his plan to take down Mosley. And for the fifth straight episode, and it's very unfortunate. No red right hand, Josh. I, yep. Once again, I, I I don't know why. I'm telling you, it has to be some legal issue. It has to be, because there's no reason why one of the biggest staples of the show, which is Red Right Hand, wouldn't be playing. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe Stephen Knight thinks that it's not, or like the the directors, it's, it's Anthony Byrne this year, this season, doesn't think that's fitting for this season, because we are in a different realm of Peaky Blinders this season. No, I see. I disagreed at first with you, with the whole illegal issue, but now I'm, I'm kind of on board. There's just no, like, there's no explanation. I don't know. <laughs> there's no explanation, because if... If there's one thing to associate Peaky Blinders with, it's been Red Right Hand. Right. It's been Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And so, I don't know. I mean, they're obviously trying to usher in a new wave. Clearly, Michael is talking all about the new generation. And even Finn is like wide-eyed like, ah, Michael, I don't know where you're going with this. But, as we mentioned, upon the rewatch, I absolutely loved that family meeting scene. Let's get to it in a little bit, but first we'll start with the uh, the Winston Churchill scene, which oh, phenomenal also is, scene. is awesome. It's an awesome one where he kind of talks Tommy through rising up from a tent to a boat to a house to a mansion, talking about having the meeting the, the night with with the Shelbys. I mean, it, this this Winston Churchill was the best Winston Churchill that I've seen. Even might even have been a better Winston Churchill than the movie Churchill. Yeah, and the Crown, the Crown did a really good Churchill. 
Also, what it was Darkest Hour? Yeah, where, no, uh, yeah, not. That's that's what I was referring to. That's what you meant. Um, yeah. What's the What's the actor's name? Gary Oldman. The guy right? from The Dark Knight. Gary yeah. Oldman. He he did a great Churchill, but this Churchill had the accent. He had he had like the, the he had he had his top hat on. You know, he was he was he was very authentic, and I'm almost positive it's a different Churchill than when we first saw. Correct. Yeah, but uh, no, it's definitely a different actor. I, I'm because he got older. He got older. I'm a little worried. That if Churchill could find out that Tommy's spying on Oswald, why couldn't Oswald find out? Because Churchill finds out, and then he kind of makes that analogy of, I'm, I was fighting on top in Flanders, and you were down low, and we're doing the same now. So you kind of can do whatever you want here to get rid of fascism. But I have a bad feeling. I, I, I don't want to say that Billy is the only mole. You know what I mean? I, like Obviously, Mickey was the one that was well, terminated in this episode, and that was a gruesome scene. But part of me thinks, Josh, that... Maybe Oswald had a sniff of what was going on. I mean, you yes, don't think so? Y- p- yes, possibly. There is a chance because he's very smart and he's not dumb. Like he's not one that would just be like blind to what's going on behind the scenes. But it's it's interesting because we've been very upset that we haven't had the clarity on who the black cat is, and so this could you know play to that and that there is a black cat, and we will find out in season six who that black cat is if there is. All of this no like know how behind the scenes, right? Because at at the end of the day, the one thing that is still up in the air is how the Billy Boys found gold. Abrama, yeah, Abrama I mean, and, and and Bonnie. There's no there's no explanation. I had that wild the wild crackpot <laughs> theory about the uh, about the, the the sorcery a couple episodes ago. Well, also, I mean, we've we've come a long way since thinking that it was Esme. It could still be Esme. It could still be Esme. You Who never knows? know. Of all the people to come back in season six, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'd love more Tom Hardy. We'll get to that scene also in a little bit. But let's finish off the Churchill scene because I think it was very interesting him going deep about the weed analogy and then mm-hmm. also not even remembering Campbell's name. Like, oh, did you kill that random uh, Ulster officer guy? And then we're like, it, it makes us realize, Josh, how truly insignificant the majority of this show's plot was yep. to the grand scheme of the country at hand that Churchill was trying to manage. And not even just that, but just how much of a puppet Tommy is and how like Birmingham to Churchill is just like, it's just a minor blimp on his radar. You know, it's like, Oh, like this major, I mean, Campbell wasn't just a Joe Schmo, regular, regular average Joe kind of guy. He was a legitimate guy who was high up in the ranks. And for Churchill to not give a flying fook about <laughs> about him in the slightest, it sounded like that he. It sounded like in the beginning he was like very integral to Churchill's plans, which he was. But just think about all the things that Churchill Churchill had going on, you know, other than this. And it is true; it's it's kind of crazy. You have this giant universe that we've grown so attached to, and then in Churchill's eyes, it's just nothing. And then, I mean, at at the end of this scene too, when he's when when, when he's talking about. The Shelby clan saying, "I really like, I really like to hang out with you guys. You know, I really, I really like to have an, spend spend an evening with your family." It's like I don't know if you would, Winston. This is why I love just getting invested in you know prestige television shows that bring you into an era, bring you into a realm, and really build a background. Because what Stephen Knight did is he built Birmingham for us to really live in it. And so for it to be as important to us as it was to Tommy, and so when Campbell comes in and really runs shit, we don't realize that he's just another pawn, the same way that Tommy is now a pawn for Churchill. And so the whole thing is so cool, the same way with London. 
I'm telling you, I bet Sabini's got a guy who he's reporting to. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it, it all, everyone's, got a, everyone's got a master at the end of the day. I in this, have in this crazy plans game. for you, Peaky Blinders. Man, it's been a while since, I, since I've done a Campbell. Mr. Pringles, man. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Guys, we're going to hear some good old-fashioned oh, Alfie in yeah, a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have too much to talk about with, with the early Billy scene. Obviously, we get the big one late. But it was just sickening to see how buddy-buddy Finn was, and it was crazy. I don't remember Arthur having it so spot-on in the first scene. Obviously, in the second scene, the, the very last one, Arthur tells him not to tell anything. But this one, he says it again, and he's got this crazy monologue where Arthur just goes off on Billy and then goes all close with him, elbows out, and then spills his cocaine on him, and it's just... It's just that Arthur is always right. He is the he's the grandfather clock of this series. And it's crazy because I mean, ever since I mean, maybe even before the Russians, I don't even when when he warned Tommy it was the of first, not getting a ball. The first episode of the first season when he warns him about the Chinese. It's it's almost like it's purposeful by Stephen Knight. It's foreshadowing. Like, like he's he is literally telling you something's going to happen if Arthur predicts it. And it's been right every single time. And so now when we see that, we're we're gonna know something bad's gonna happen. And all, honestly, at this point, like I, I knew that it was gonna go downhill. Like it was just like you knew that Billy being on that at that spot was and like Arthur talking about it and like Billy having those like wide eyes and stuff and being very attentive to what he's saying was gonna be bad. And it's it's very frustrating here. If one of the most frustrating moments of the Peaky, Peaky Blinders history is Finn opening his mouth right after Arthur told him to shut the F up. Let's get to it. The family meeting, they build it up even in the episode, which I don't really remember the first time. They're kind of like, they kind of build up, all right, we got this family meeting coming up. All right, Finn, we got to go to a family meeting. And it's our first time seeing Michael in, in quite some time. He had such a minor part of last episode. He was kind of just like a he was he was in in the shadows. Him and Gina were given those looks, and we didn't really get dialogue from him. But it's clear they've been cooking up these two plans. And I want to know what you think Tommy was gonna say in the very beginning. He starts off the meeting, Josh, and he says regarding Michael. He has a a, a thing to say, and then Michael, like a stubborn twelve year old, interrupts him and goes off. What do you think Tommy was gonna say about him? You think he was gonna reinstate him into the family? I don't know. I I don't I don't think so. I don't think Tommy's ever wants that again. I think he's. I think he was done with Michael. I think he was gonna just gonna be like, go to America, leave, be gone. I don't uh, know. I don't know. I think he was. I genuinely think he was gonna reinstate him into the family because he made the deal with Polly that if Michael did the opium deal, remember, then that was the only reason Polly yeah. agreed to that because Arthur was against it. Same way Arthur's against everything. That's a fucking bad idea. And it was. It was cool to remember that in the midst of this whole Oswald shooting thing. Tommy kind of sent Charlie, who has a bad leg, on the errand to go take care of the opium. And, and so that was kind of just like a minor subthought, because if everything had gone well, it would have been a typical season finale, or series finale, however you want to call it, you know, a season series, whether you're listening in America or over in the UK, and you know how everyone, the same, the same thing with the Russians, the same thing with the Italians, it all goes Tommy's way, and then he also gets the extra thing like an Ocean's Eleven reveal and that's mm -hmm. what that would have been but at the end of the day we don't really even do we even see what happens with the opium at the end I don't think so no it, it just gets tossed around I mean this this whole scene the proposal I was like I wanted to like jump through my screen and just punch Michael in the face like it was all it was so yeah. asinine yeah. and stupid it was and, it I, was, and oh. I think that was the point of it but it was yeah, it was just was. very very hard to watch it would have been. Kid it would have been just to see right. his role model. Just it would have been 
one thing if it was like a good idea and a good plan, but this was just stupid. It's it was it was the worst, and I've got in big what a dumb fucking move. To right. to take away Tommy's name is to take away everything he's worked for in this entire season, this entire series of this show. He is his legacy. And for Michael to go off and ask for succession, and it was perfect that he even used that word. Because you think of a show like Succession on HBO mm-hmm. and you think about what happened with Mur- Murdoch's family, you don't ask a dude who's like 38 years old to give up his empire. You wait till Tommy's 60. You're not even like next of kin. Like like you like, like <laughs> you are literally his cousin. Like who, who you don't you don't even have the rights to succession. You know what I mean? It's funny because I'm like I'm like taking a class right now, Will's Trust in Estates, and it's like I'm, I've been studying for like the last week about it. And so it's like, Michael, you don't have you don't have the actual rights to the throne, you know? No, it's the whole thing is very dumb and, and it almost makes me think Michael's too smart. I think he knew that Tommy was going to throw it, toss it, you know, say fuck you. And That's I think he was just going initially. for war. Yeah, I think he was just going for war. It was almost like he knew that it was going to piss him off so much that – that's what he wanted. He wanted to like get under skin a little bit. And G- I mean, it's, it's, it's all Gina driven at the end of the day. Yeah, He says, Michael says, you know, we can all set this up. I have connections and Gina has family in this kind of business. There we go. And Gina gives Polly a look that I don't know what it means, but we're going to find out next season. I want to know who the effort family is. It's been teased around that. It's the Rockefellers. I thought initially in the beginning of the season because they were in Detroit, maybe it was the Fords, the Ford family, but you know they talk about being in New York, so I don't think that unless maybe there's I don't know. I was gonna say she's definitely a New Yorker. Her yeah, accent no, no, is she's, attempted to be New York. Oh no, she she talks about having her, having her baby in uh in a in Long Island in Long Island. Yeah, she has the worst accent of all time. Anyways, <laughs> um, but I'm really really excited to see who her family is because they're definitely gonna be like a they're gonna be a a Changreta type family, you know, like one of those families that are just, they don't mess around and it's going to be another enemy on that Tommy's going to have to deal with, I think, because I mean, he's going to be dealing with Oswald Mosley and Gina's family probably at the same time. And I'm excited to, to see who it is. And so do you think the second option is just war? Or what do you think? She, obviously Gina mirrored and it was a great comment from one of our uh, patrons a couple episodes ago, mentioning that there was a great mirroring of Gina saying, I'll have to go with the second option. And then Linda saying, well, we'll have to go with the second letter. What do you think that second option is? I honestly think that Gina wants Tommy dead. Like, I I think that that's it. And I think that she wanted the second option, like, you know, from the start. I, I think it was a it was a option A, like 1A, 1B. Like, you know, it's like one and the same. Like, we're going to throw this around. He's obviously going to say no. And then, you know, we're going to kill him. And it's, it's crazy to think that this bitch thinks that she can kill him. She's not. <laughs> and so what what makes me so mad is at the end of the day, it's all Polly's fault. This is all Polly's fault because Polly just had to deceive Michael and push him away from the family, send him to America, have him meet Gina, have him, you know, get into uh, cahoots with, uh, with the IRA on the boat pack. It's just all Polly's fault. And Josh, that leads me into one of our patron messages. And so what we do on patreon.com slash by order of Peaky, for those of you listening on the normal podcast, if you listen in, we have a community of interactors and you know commentators and everyone that wants to keep their opinions to themselves can, but obviously we want it to be shared. And Dylan had a good theory. And you know what? It's the only theory that has me not hating Polly. Josh. <sighs> Man. 
No, we hate her. We hate Polly. For anyone new to the podcast, we are very anti-Polly. We are not Polly stands after what she did to uh, Michael at the end of season four. But Dylan says, hey guys, I didn't know whether to comment on any of the recent posts because it's not really that relevant, but it's a theory to do with Michael. It is relevant, Dylan, so I'm happy you commented. She's, he said, first, I do like his character with him being one of my favorites from season two to four, but five, not so much. In season four, when Polly tells Michael she's going to hand Tommy over to Luca, maybe she knew Michael wouldn't tell Tommy, and that because of this, she presumed Tommy would exile him, and maybe that's what she wanted, because if he was exiled, Michael would be away from the life that she always wanted, the sense that he, the day that he showed up. After all, he didn't get mad at his mother either, which makes me think he's okay with getting away from the life too. That part I don't know if I agree with. This is probably full of holes and things you would both probably easily debunk, but it has been playing on my mind since season four ended, and I would love to hear both of your opinions on this someday. This is, thanks for the long – thanks, guys. Sorry for the long so, message. Keep up the good work. I think that's a beautifully thought-out theory. Aside from the uh, – yeah, and, it's and, pretty and, solid. And I totally agree with you that I don't think it's Michael being happy with getting away from the life, but I do think that, that, that Polly at the end of the day does have that underlying want and desire to get him away from She's the life. She's always wanted so, it. I've never thought of it that way, that it's so convoluted and so deeply interwoven into the plot from seasons ago that that would that would make a play. But, I mean, Stephen Knight does this, man. He does this all the time. He brings back things from seasons. He gets callbacks. Everything comes full circle, and that's what, you know, we mentioned Game of Thrones a lot, and that's very Game of Thrones-esque. And, and I will mention this scene, that uh, season one of Game of Thrones, when when uh, when Ned Stark is, 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 is leaving Winterfell and... and Jon Snow wants to know about about his mother, and he says, I promise I'll tell you about her when I get back. And it's like, okay, yeah, nice, he'll, he'll tell you about her. And then when he dies, you like think later on, you know, season six, season seven, when you start to to really he- know about Jon's parentage, that 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 one scene in season one comes back. So I don't, I, I would not put it past Stephen Knight to have this all go back to season three. Okay, so I'm going to have my own opinion here and a different scene from Game of Thrones. And guys, we don't always quote it, but it's just such a great comparison because these are two of maybe the best shows of all time, and at least in our era. But I do like it, and I would love to see a scene in season six where Polly does admit it when she's on Michael's side. Because, you know, near the end of this episode, we have Polly just quitting, and this is before Abarama dies. So it's obvious that Polly's going to join his side anyways in my mind. But I think... It's a good comparison to the season one scene of Game of Thrones that I think nobody caught in their first watch. And it's a similar thing here where you don't really see this in your first watch, but obviously Dylan caught it and it's a great catch. But in the second watch, when Arya is chasing the cat Mm, in the crypts of King's Landing and sees Varys talking to uh, the the silk silk trader. Was it Littlefinger? No, Varys is talking to the silk trader who helps Daenerys get married uh, to, yes, 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 yes. to the barbarian. So it was like his master plan at the end of the day, and then it came... It right, came, when yeah. you find out, yes, no, exactly. That's, that's my comparison right. here, because I think this is Polly's master plan, and it's just all backfiring, because Michael is back, Michael's in jeopardy, and I'm surprised that Tommy didn't just cut him. Michael gave him the knife, and I don't know... Then we heard more breathing. The first time this episode that we heard the Anna Calvi breathing, and I think it's a very, very clear connection to Tommy seeing, hearing voices, seeing ghosts, because every time, obviously, Grace comes around, we hear the breathing, and then we see we hear it later, because we have the scene with Mickey after Tommy murders him, and just clear murders him. I mean, cold blood, no fucks given, Arthur doesn't want to do it, and it's the first time Arthur is, like, against violence, it seems, 
and Tommy just pops him in the head and then the breathing happens and and I think that was an interesting scene. We barely even knew Mickey, but uh hello and goodbye to to the mole. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, that was it was kind of like a oh, is that the black cat? And it was like no way. That that's not the black cat. It's just one of many. But I didn't catch in the first watch that Mickey was the reason why the Titanic shootout happened. And yeah, even, even bring more it up. of a throwaway, they kind of were like, damn, like, we just put this in there. We need to, like, tie it to something, you know? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what they did. They're like, oh, we got to tie this crazy scene. So they're like, they're like, Arthur was like, I went up to London. And I thought in my head, I'm like, oh, I would have loved to see a, a scene of Arthur back in London. And then I was like, oh, wait, wait, what? He was in London when he had that right. pickup from Che, from Billy and Che? And I was like, yeah, whoa. It's, it's... And then we also found out that the Ben Younger murderer was also on Mickey. Right, and that's sad because such a needless character like Mickey – resulted in the death of one of our like someone that we grew to really like and admire his death and it was very unnecessary and very avoidable and so it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of upsetting in that in that way and i'd like to see ada join tommy next season and just be more of a presence i don't she wasn't even in this episode no lizzie no ada and it was very very sad which is crazy because she had such a presence last episode and kind of helping tommy with his inner demons and his depression where he almost literally committed suicide and she's always been the one that he goes to and so I would have liked her also as well to be a little bit more of a presence. Maybe even like at the at the family meeting, like you know, she's always the voice of reason. Like step in and like talk to Michael and be like, "What do you think you're doing? Like who do you think you are?" Kind of thing. Yeah, they all drink to her. I mean, they yeah. they're like, "Cheers, cheers to Ada!" You know, poor fatherless Arada, you know, Arada, kid again. But I'll tell you what, the one thing that clearly came out of this scene was that the garrison needs better fucking background checks. Yeah, for real, man. Jeez. Because how do they hire Grace? First Grace, who's like a clear undercover cop. Her background story was debunked quickly by Tommy, who found out she didn't work at any of those places. And now Mickey. Mickey just comes out of the blue. Did anyone even hire him? Or he's just like, hey, I'm going to work here one day. And they're like, ah, oh, whatever. I feel like every bartender in at the garrison has been named Mickey. Like, I feel like there's been like five Mickeys. <laughs> like, you know, it's like a prerequisite. If your name's Mickey, you're hired. It's like the whale. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's, they're just always Shamu. All right. We head to the uh, the big one. And this was one that, that I, you know, got a little uh, excited, you know, in, in places where tingling happens. The first time that we heard the voice and we saw the Hebrew lettering on the Ooh, on the cover yeah. and we're over at Margate. And uh, what's in Margate? Margate. Margate. Margate, and uh, uh, I just love how he uses the binoculars like sideways because he only has one working eye, and just the whole thing with Alfie is 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 clearly, it's clearly just like to make the fans happy. I, I don't like using that word that uh, everyone uses. I don't know if it was fan it, service. It is. It's a little bit of fan service. It is. But the thing is, is like I don't think that they like because if it was fan service, they would have brought him back after the fact like i think it was always the plan all along that he wasn't gonna die and he was gonna come back and have this integral role so like if it was fan service it would have been like oh shit we really need to bring alfie back people are mad you know i guess well i will tell you that there's a stepping rug right when tommy walks in from the balcony and it says it says leth or leith l-e-t-h-e and i googled it and it's kind of like a it's a Hebrew Greek mythology kind of thing, and it's a river that the souls of the dead had to drink from, which made them forget all they had done and the suffering. Which is interesting because because Alfie came back from the dead essentially. Yeah, but like the Jewish religion doesn't really believe in you know like heaven and hell like that. Yeah, but what's weird is Alfie goes in on how heaven is, I mean, how hell is very specifically 
described in his Hebrew book. Yeah, I'm which like, is crazy. I'm like, Jews don't believe in hell. So that was interesting. I was having this conversation like two days ago. And someone was like, what happens? You know, what what do Jews believe in like in afterlife? And I'm like, we don't, we, we, we don't believe in afterlife really. We kind of just, you kind of just die. That's it. So it's kind of interesting to see because we don't believe in that. And so Alfie kind of has this like, you know, extra, you know, Maybe, maybe, maybe he is not actually living like you said, and you think it's no, a dream. No, I don't want that to happen. I, I said it. I heard not someone say it. I don't want it to be true. I don't want that whole sequence to be a dream sequence because then what? Did Tommy like subconsciously ask all the Jews anyways to come storm the uh, the Oswald thing? No, and I'll, I'll no, no, Alfie's no, like, no. oh no, no, no. I uh, just because I'm dead doesn't mean I'm gonna be insulted by your offer of only ten thousand. I need twenty thousand. Then he goes, oh, you need me to come to Birmingham. Oh, it'll be at least twenty five thousand, and then, and then he goes, no, and he goes, wait, how's my dog? <laughs> Cyril. Tommy's like, it's fine, and he goes, okay, twenty five thousand will do. <laughs> it was a great scene. I hope you do a, I hope you do a better job on Oswald than you did on me. And I was like, oh, you're so savage. It was just, I, I yeah. give me six hours of of deleted scenes of just them just chatting. I'll take it. I mean, I mean, you've mentioned this, this is like Tommy's one of Tommy's best friends. I mean, like. It's funny because like Alfie's crossed him so many times before, and Tommy still comes back and still like you know still loves him. It's like it's like his getaway. It's like it's like his like comedic relief that he needs in his life that he never gets because no one is making him laugh and smile. But I mean, it's and this is a this is a crazy scene. Alfie has some really great meaningful words here, you know, telling him that he I had a recurring dream. I saw you in the field with a big black horse, and you said goodbye, and dead bang. And that, you know, foreshadows the end of the episode, which, like, we won't really get into now. We'll probably get into that a lot more and, you know, later on. But it's it's really telling of, 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 like, the theme of, like, the season, you know? Like, this big black horse, you know, the bang, goodbye. And so Alfie kind of is, like, you know, telling Tommy how it is. Like, he always is, like, in a very realistic sense, but in his Alfie way. Now, there were two matching lines in this scene and then the previous scene or the scene before the, the Mickey where – Tommy's having a talk with his with his male brain trust, and it's like uh, it's like Charlie Strong and Arthur and Johnny Dogs and the newest member of the family, Abraham Gold, and Tommy's kind of laying out what's going to happen and telling us, the audience, and telling them who's going to shoot who and how it's all going to go down. And that's when the does your ambition have no limits line come from Abraham, but Tommy snapped right back saying, oh, Jimmy McCavern will be there, and you can do whatever you want with him. And so Abrahamo was quick to do right. that. But something that Abe did and Alfie asked Tommy was, why are you starting to care about how this is perceived? Why do you care about the cops? Why do you care about like your ex? Why do you need an explanation for this? Because Tommy's saying how he'll have an alibi and there's this and there's that and the Jews will cause unrest. And Tommy's like, well, now that I'm in politics, I have to have an answer to all of this. And he, he didn't have to in the beginning of the season, the series. And and. And it's kind of like his downfall in a way. It's like, you know, he didn't have need to have these explanations. It's kind of like when you're not thinking about the consequences of your actions, you're kind of more willing to do whatever and you're kind of just more free-flowing. It's like get the job done at all costs. And in this way, it's like get the job done but at, but at, but at a small cost. So it's like the risk-benefit, cost-benefit cost like analysis. And it's, it's crazy because it's true. Like Tommy can't be the old Tommy and maybe that's why he's not – as proficient at doing what he's been doing the last couple seasons. It's just so. the typical, like, Al Capone, you know, going down right. for tax evasion instead of murdering people. Right. 
I mean, I don't know if you just saw the movie The Irishman. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't. It's on my. It's all, on the watch list. You know, the, it's three and a half hours. I just need to watch. I need to find time. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm not gonna get crazy into it, but it's kind of like you know, I, I I've actually only watched half of it so far because we watched it. Was on, it really like, Thanksgiving good? Thanksgiving at like nine, and we we're like, okay. no, it's really good so far. It's definitely like a part a part A part B movie, so you can definitely like you know watch half of it and then reconvene. But the characters, like you know, when they go further in their life and they get really deeper into the mob and they start, you know, there's a character Jimmy Hoffa who's a real character, so I'm not disclosing any any information like that 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 isn't already known because it's true true story. But the the more he gets involved with like the union and like and and the teamsters that he's involved in, like bigger shit happens because there's a bigger eye on him, there's a bigger microscope on him, and so he's not able to do the shit that he used to be able to do. And so it's kind of like that with with Tommy. It's like now there's like a, there's a huge microscope on him. And he can't he can't get away with what he used to. He can't he can't be that that backstreet razor gang that Michael refers to him earlier in the season. No one wants to deal with 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 a backstreet razor gang. Was that old? Yes, yeah, exactly. No, it was, it was in the family meeting in this episode. But it's like it's like Tommy like like we need Tommy to go back to to being the back the the old fashioned backstreet razor gang because that's that's when he was yeah. best. Do you watch Rick and Morty? I do. Have you seen the recent one, The Heist? Yes. Yes. And we just need Tommy to go back, go back to Birmingham like he did in season three, and just be like, "You, you son of a bitch, I'm in." Heist the Tron, <laughs> Elon Tusk. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm yeah, in. I love that. And so there's one last kind of the probably the biggest part of this conversation that I caught in the rewatch that went right over my head in the first watch, and it's a it's just a very meta commentary when Arthur, I mean when Arch, Alfie says. So you think if you kill the man, you'll kill the message. Basically saying, just because you kill the leader of this fascist gang doesn't mean like that they won't just rise up with six more heads. And it's just a very important commentary about racism, about sexism, about anti-Semitism. Just like if you kill Hitler, it doesn't mean that there's no more Nazis was, and there still are Nazis around just, the country. just going to say that. It's like yep. kind of like reminiscent on how people maybe thought at that time. Like, okay, like if we kill Adolf Hitler, is all this gone? It's like... No, like the, all these people are brainwashed. Like there's someone, there's there's a million Oswald Moseys out there in this world, exactly. in this universe. There's they're, they're rising up. They're he's I mean, expendable. Right. Look at that rally. Those people were brainwashed. You know, Paris yelling Paris Judah, yelling Paris Judah, and it's 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 a very telling line by Alfie. He's so brilliant. It's so brilliant, brilliantly done, and it's so true. And it's kind of like the message. It's kind of like the message of the whole and, and the theme of the whole season. Like Tommy is expending all this energy and all these resources to kill Oswald Mosley, and is like. Is it even worth it? Like, is it even going to end up in anything that's going to be beneficial to Tommy? Like, like, I, I don't know. And it's 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 scary because it's real life. And it's like, okay, obviously, I'm not I'm not calling for the assassination of Donald Trump. So please, what I'm saying is, do not do not think that. But it's like, if Donald Trump is not reelected, is what I'm saying. Because like, I'm not talking about killing him. I'm I'm, I'm Just talking go about ahead. finish within, your thought. We'll see within the context of of this quote <laughs> is what I'm saying. If he's not reelected, is like, will the message of of everything that he's like kind of brought up, is that going to be killed? No, it's still going to be going on. There's still going to be, you know, racism and, and, and anti-Semitism and sexism going on in the world. And that's, that's not, you know, you don't just destroy that with, with one leader being gone because so many people are brainwashed by it. Now we could, uh, what we'll do is we'll, we're going to split this episode up into two parts and we're going to do the next one next week so that any of you guys who like what we're doing here and listening on the normal podcast, want to hear the second half and want to hear a backlog of every single breakdown of season five you can go sign up on patreon.com slash by order of peaky for our patrons we'll give you you know over a half an hour of great content here and then we're going to separate and put the second half of the episode up next week but we're going to end with the scene 
of just Polly resigning and Polly being done with the murder and done with it all. And it's interesting because the actress, Helen McCrory, leading up to this season, Josh, said it was a gruesome. It was easily the, the hardest season to watch and hardest season to put together. And it was gross and all of this stuff. And so now her, in, in perfect form, her character is also done with it. Which is funny because, like, I mean, the it, I feel like the scene where she got raped by Campbell would have been, like, the most gruesome thing for her to watch. That That's was a like, good point. That's that was, like, her point. like when she was at her lowest and she was getting drunk and she was a mess. Like, that, like to, to say that this is, like, the hardest part of the watch, I mean, it kind of may be telling to the next season because she might know a little bit as to what's going to result. So it was, it was interesting. And she just says, I quit, you know, in her very Polly-esque way. And it was, it was, and I think it's a perfect end to, to this episode because to, to this teaser episode, I guess, because we could, and I've said, we can talk about the last 15, 20 minutes of this episode for like an hour straight. Like, like we, we, we can dive in and we might. And so that's what we're going to do. And I think, I mean, I'm all in on Polly joining Michael, but to be honest, if we didn't see Polly next season, I wouldn't shed a tear. I, I wouldn't shed a tear either, but I mean. And I wouldn't be, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't think it's like a plot hole. You know what I mean? I think this could be the end of Polly. It really could be. She <sighs> lost the, another love of her life is gone. Her son is basically, she slapped her son in the face. That's the last thing she said she did to him. And Gina was like shocked by that. She is yeah. like Polly is almost like she. I think she's just realized that she's just hit an end to her all of this shit that she's trying to concoct. I don't know. I just, we'll I'm just see. saying, I wouldn't be surprised if she was gone. Now, if she's back. She's too. She's too integral of a character fine. to be gone. To be honest, yeah, I don't know because obviously Tommy said, "Hey, I want to let you know that if if Abe joins Michael's side, which can't happen now, but if I'm gonna have to kill him." And Polly says, "What happens if I do it?" Tommy says, "I'll have to do what I have to do." He could have just said, "I'll kill you too," but he didn't, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It'll, it'll, it'll it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens in season six, and I'm glad they started filming because I think that they also know that they have fans, you know chomping at the bit to see what happens yeah i can't do a two-year wait like last no, time no 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 shot no i shot. don't think anyone can especially with like a a part a part one this would even i wouldn't even I, this would be more of a if it was an american soap opera this would be something where if it let off in just in november it would like come back in february one of those things right because yeah. they do that often mm-hmm. all right well that's gonna wrap up our season five episode six part one spoiler-filled recap, so if you know anyone that that loved this season, went through it, either with us or without us, go ahead and send it to them. Send them the link that we'll have attached on the show notes to our Patreon. Just $5 a month. I mean, I I, I am enlisted on a couple patrons Patreons for other podcasts, and I have no problem with it being worth it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's absolutely worth it. I listen to a couple of them every single day, and it's just... Uh, it's less than a cup of coffee a month. And so as we sign off, we'll be back next week. Go ahead and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash by order of Peaky. Obviously, B-O-O-T, peakyblinders at gmail.com is our email if you want to send some feedback. Or for our Patreons, members, patrons, if you join that, you can just comment and, like Dylan did, get your uh, voices heard right here on this podcast. Thanks for listening. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. And we binge so you don't have to.